WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 6th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today. The high going to be just 43. Tonight and overnight. Mostly clear, low 32, and then kind of the identical weather for tomorrow. Uh, clouds, uh, high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 35 clear, Port Washington out on Long Island, 36 partly cloudy, Perth Amboy down in New Jersey, and it is 34 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning was watching uh, a little bit of these hearings out of Washington with FBI Director Christopher Ray yesterday. Uh, again, this is a, he's given this warning a bunch of times over the last couple of months. I guess we should all be paying attention. Uh, talking about the potential of a terrorist sneaking across the southern border into Texas as part of this wave of illegal immigration into Texas. And, of course, some of those people, well, a lot of them have made it here. I'm not saying they're terrorists, but a lot of those migrants, of course, have made it to, to New York, more than 100,000 over the last year. So could some of those potential terrorists be mixed in with that crowd? Well, uh, Christopher Ray talking about that and more yesterday. Their ability to exploit any port of entry, including our southwest border, is a source of concern. So if the FBI director is talking about this, for sure we should be concerned. Telling a Senate hearing the number of known or suspected terrorists who have been caught has increased over the last five years big time. And we have seen an increase in so-called KSTs, known or suspected terrorists, attempting to, to cross There's a lot of discussion about numbers, and numbers are important. But let's not forget, it didn't take a big number of people on 9-11. Yeah, no, it did not. The Department of Homeland Security said just in September, 160 people on the terror watch list were taken into custody at the southern border. Just uh, that's in September. Uh, He goes on. uh, He asked uh, lawmakers uh, in Washington renew the authority of the U.S. government to conduct warrantless surveillance outside the U.S. now. The expiration of our 702 authorities would be devastating to the FBI's ability to protect Americans from those threats. Yes, he's talking about this uh, Section 702 of the FISA. It's necessary, apparently, to counter threats from foreign adversaries, including China, Iran, the surveillance power set to expire at the end of this month. And he says uh, the FBI needs them. 702 allows us to stay a step ahead of foreign actors located outside the United States who pose a threat to national security. But what we've watched is lawmakers, both sides of the aisle, by the way, have criticized this measure as government overreach, arguing the powers enables warrantless surveillance of Americans. So not clear they'll get that. This happening yesterday as a vote in D.C. to launch a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden is expected to happen. It won't happen probably this week, but probably next week. It's not a vote to impeach President Biden. This is a vote to continue the inquiry. 
House Speaker Mike Johnson accusing the White House of stonewalling the investigation into Biden's alleged links to his family's foreign business dealings. Johnson says the House has come to what he calls an inflection point in its investigation that has opened uh, by former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He says the vote is necessary to force compliance with the committee's ongoing work. You're seeing a very deliberate investigation uncovering and following the facts, following the truth where it leads. That's what the Constitution requires the House to do. They're refusing to turn over key witnesses to allow them to testify as they've been subpoenaed. They're refusing to turn over thousands of documents for the National Archives. Yes, so we'll watch this as this takes place. This going on as the president yesterday talking about the fact that uh, he would not seek re-election if he were not facing Donald Trump in 2024. This is what he told a private group of donors up in Boston, apparently, yesterday. He said, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running. That's what he told this event uh, outside of Boston. Uh, Likely would have retired, he says, after a single term if Donald Trump wasn't there. The remark, of course, stunning. And um, uh, Biden, of course, already the oldest ever president, would be 86 if he completes a full second term in January of 2029. Critics, of course, routinely highlight instances in which Biden appears confused or shares false memories. Uh, clearly, he doesn't want to run, but he feels like he has to. He thinks he's saving us from Donald Trump. Of course, Trump now... The heavy favorite for the Republican nomination polls show him beating Biden in a general election, due in large to the economy. Of course, high inflation, interest rates is all about the pocketbook. Uh, One of them, this uh, real clear politics average of recent national polls shows Trump with 46 percent of the vote, uh, Biden at 44 percent. But, of course, it's still uh, essentially a year away. Uh, Although Trump, of course, has an edge in these polls, he still has to stand trial in these four criminal cases during the coming months, which uh, could be, uh, you know, could hurt his campaign. Uh, Trump was doing a town hall live live the way last night on Fox. Uh, He's not going to take part in a GOP debate of of the people, the White House wannabes. That's going to take place in Alabama later today on News Nation. But he did hold this town hall on Fox last night. He did a lot of talking about Joe Biden. I personally don't think he makes it. Okay, I haven't said that. I'm saving it for this big town hall. I've never always I personally don't think. he Yeah, he doesn't think that Joe Biden can last until the election next year. He took jabs at his GOP rivals, including Ron DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, um, saying that they want to play around with Social Security. He told uh, this crowd in Iowa yesterday that he's the guy and uh, that he's in good health and Joe Biden is not. I think he's in bad shape physically. Do you remember when he said, I'd like to take him behind the barn? If he took me behind the barn and I went like this, <laughs> I believe he'd fall over. Yes. Yeah, so, by the way, he also briefly addressed these questions of... Uh, that he would take over the White House and not leave after four years. Uh, maybe you've seen this. Liz Cheney has taken to the news shows. Uh, she's everywhere. This book out. She's thinking about running a third party campaign for the White House. And she claims if Trump gets into the White House, he will, won't leave after four years. Uh, he calls that just total nonsense. Uh, and he says uh, he would be uh, tough on day one and be tough all the way through. But he says he would leave after four years. WABC News Time 5. 
and I've been watching this story early this morning. Two people slashed about 20 minutes apart from another at separate subway stations in downtown Brooklyn overnight. The first attack happened just around midnight at the Barclay Center station, which, of course, is a huge subway station. A 38-year-old woman slashed in the shin, leaving a trail of blood for other commuters to step over. And then about 20 minutes later at the Fulton Street station, this was about 12.15 or so, a person there, a 67-year-old man, slashed in the right leg and the wrist, left knee. Both victims taken to Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. They're okay. They're in stable condition. What led to the stabbing, uh, we don't know. They think it's just totally random. Police telling us they think, they think, it's the same individual who's behind both slashings. They have not caught up with him. Let's go back down to D.C. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer going to ask the Senate today to pass an assault weapons ban as early as today. It's been almost 20 years since the U.S. had an assault weapons ban. Congress let the last ban expire back in 2004. After the ban went into effect, 1994, the numbers proved the obvious. Banning deadly assault weapons saves lives plain and simple. The number of deaths from mass shootings and gun incidents fell significantly after the assault weapons ban took effect. So this bill would ban the sale, manufacture, transfer, and porting of more than 200 military-style weapons. It would also ban weapons with certain military characteristics. There would be exemptions in this bill, more than 2,000 guns for hunting, household defense, recreational purposes. They would all be allowed under this bill. And there would be a grandfather clause for weapons already owned before it would go into effect. Also in Washington yesterday, there was this hearing on anti-Semitism, problem of anti-Semitism on college campuses, front and center on Capitol Hill. House Republicans let Jewish students from the University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, MIT, NYU talk about the rise of anti-Semitism at their universities. Being a Jew at NYU is walking to class and passing torn and defaced posters of innocent hostages with the words occupier and murderer written across their faces. The MIT administration, namely President Sally Kornbluth, has failed to address the crisis of rampant anti-Semitism on campus. So these hearings got pretty intense yesterday, not with those students who relayed what it was like to be Jewish on these campuses, uh, what are considered the best schools in the nation. The presidents of the top three universities defending their response to the surge of anti-Semitism on campus in this House hearing. Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik grilling Harvard's president, uh, Claudine Gay, on the perceived double standard of when colleges choose to punish students for speech. A Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Gay uh, denounced any trace of anti-Semitism, calling it a symptom of ignorance. But I can tell you from my own personal experience, a best friend, his son is at Harvard. He says, no, it's terrible on this campus. He said, when I sent my kid to Harvard, I was so excited that he got in. He says, not so excited anymore that he's on that campus because he said, yeah, it's bad. But these are the presidents of these big institutions defending themselves against these accusations of anti-Semitism on campus. This is difficult work. And I know that I have not always gotten it right. The free exchange of ideas is the foundation upon which Harvard is built. Uh, the president's uh, taking these attacks from uh, lawmakers who say they haven't done enough to protect Jewish students on their campus. Speech that incites violence, threatens safety, or violates Harvard's policies against bullying and harassment is unacceptable. 
So since the attack, the Department of Education launching these investigations into Harvard, University of Pennsylvania, other top schools. It was it's really bad at UPenn. I can just again tell you from personal experience, college campuses have seen this rise in tension. Of course, it's all connected to the Israel Hamas war. And there is this fine line of talking about Israel as a democracy and its battle in Gaza and then anti-Semitism, like uh, protesting outside a Israeli-owned falafel restaurant in Philadelphia. That's anti-Semitism. That's not being anti-Israel. The Israel-Hamas war in its 61st day. Israeli President Isaac Herzog says Palestinian citizens are being warned about what Israeli troops will do now. We send them leaflets by the millions. We call them by the millions. And then we direct them to safe zones where they can stay. Israeli forces conducting their ground assault southern Gaza as Hamas leaders are thought to be hiding there. United Nations warning that an even more hellish scenario is about to unfold as the campaign in the region there continues. It's a war that is intended really, truly to save Western civilization, to save the values of Western civilization. President Herzog says the war is just all about getting rid of this terrorist group. This empire wants to conquer the entire Middle East. And if it weren't for us, Europe would be next and the United States follows. So how successful has this bid to get rid of Hamas been? By the way, not incredibly successful. At least 5,000 Hamas militants have been killed. That's according to Israeli security officials. That leaves the vast majority of Hamas members, 30,000 strong, still alive today. Operations uh, continue in the southern part of Gaza to get rid of these Hamas leaders. Uh, The cost, of course, has been big across the board. Nearly 16,000 Palestinians killed, more than 5,000 children. That's according to Gaza's Ministry of Health. And in a moment, we'll hear from some of the hostage families, of course, who are now more worried than ever that they'll never see their loved ones again. We'll get into that more. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Hump Day. Good morning to you as well. Noam Aladem, start on the ice here. Had a triple header last night. All three local teams did indeed lace them up in Ottawa. The Rangers were the victims of a rare route. Falling to the Senators by a score of 6-2. to two. Artemi Panarin and Keandre Miller scored for the Rangers. While Shesterkin stopped 30 shots, but it wasn't nearly enough to contend with Ottawa's onslaught. The Hockey Blue Shirts came into the game with points uh, in 17 of the last 19. Good for a record of 16-2-1, which has helped propel them to the top of the league. They'll take the loss and hopefully return to form come Saturday in Washington. In Elmont, Thomas Hurdle hat-trick. Helped the San Jose Sharks erase a three-goal third-period deficit to defeat the Islanders 5-4. Gaudier, Nelson, Riley, and Pulak scored for the Islanders, who began a uh, six-game homestand with the loss. And finally, up in uh, north in Vancouver, Jesper Bratt scored his second goal of the night with 34 seconds left in the third period as the Devils defeated the Vancouver Canucks 6-5 in a nail-biter. Jack Hughes had a goal and two assists, while his younger brother Luke Hughes scored on a power play for the Devils. The game was billed as the, quote, Hughes Bowl, as Canucks defenseman Quinn Hughes faced his brothers to the aforementioned Jack and Luke Hughes of the Devils. Both parents, by the way, in attendance for that uh, cool little moment. Wait, Hughes three family. brothers were on the ice or two brothers? Two, uh, three of them. Wow. Luke, so you had Luke. Has that ever happened before? Well, Luke and Jack are on the same team. Right. 
uh, and then Quinn is on uh, is on the Canucks. Yeah, I'm just wondering if three brothers have oh. ever fought. That's that's, that's actually a, re- yeah. a really good question. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. While Justin is occupied, it was the, <laughs> the Sutter brothers, I think. Oh, in really? The, in the eighty, yeah, Brent Sutter, Dwayne Sutter. They would play on different teams, though. Right. Huh. Yeah. The Islanders had one of them. So. And then you had the the famous twins. Who were the famous the twins? The um, they were gingers. Uh, we're not ginger. Red haired. God. The guys from Slap, hockey players. The, guy, the guys from Slapshot. <laughs> <laughs> the Hanson brothers. Right. Yes. <laughs> of course. We'll take that and run with it. We'll take that and run with it. Um, <laughs> in Milwaukee, the Bucks breeze past the Knicks, one forty-six to one twenty-two last night to reach the semifinals of the NBA's inaugural in-season tournament. Julius Randle scored a season high. 41 points for the Knicks, whose three-game winning streak was snapped. Jalen Brunson added uh, 24, and R.J. Barrett scored 23 for New York, which earned a wild-card berth in the knockout round through a point differential tiebreaker. And I don't know what that means. I thought they were eliminated last night because it was single elimination, but I guess now they're still involved in the uh, in the fun little in-season tournament. <laughs> yeah, <party. laughs> if you don't understand, then who does no. understand? Who cares? I, I don't know, but if it's the quarterfinals, you lose in the quarterfinals, no, and then you're out of the tournament. You would think so. What do you get when you win? Uh, I think each player gets like half half a million dollars. No, you're kidding. Please. I you swear get, to God. No Seriously? Way. Yeah. No. I think that's the, I think that's it. So we should be more excited about this <laughs> if that's the grand prize. Wow, jeez. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, the, the winning team, right, that's like one play. That's like, you know, that's like a couple seasons of a, of a player's contract yeah. there, I would think. Wow. If you're given half a million dollars to, you know... 20, 25 guys. But I don't know how many guys are on an NBA like roster. Family's budget for a couple of years, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So, and you would think the bench players get would, would have to get less than the guys who started every game. Right, but they're getting something. Yeah, exactly. For for something we don't understand how Well, it works. but that's the incentive. <laughs> yeah. I, if, if that weren't the case, none of these guys would play in this yeah, damn well, that's thing. True. Well, that's why the stars are playing hard. Exactly. For the bench guys, right. So that they can make. Hey, great. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. And as uh, MLB free agency continues to heat up, there's news out of the Bronx regarding a new arrival in pinstripes. The Yankees acquired outfielder Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox last night, a move that could help uh, New York uh, slightly, I guess, improve its offense in just uh, the eighth trade between the rivals since the start of the divisional era in 1969. The Red Sox received right-handers Richard Fitz, Greg Weissert, and Nicholas Judas in the deal. Verdugo, who was scheduled to make around $9 million in his final season of arbitration here, hit 264, 324, 421. That was his slash line with 13 home runs and 54 RBIs in 142 games last year. That's our new outfielder, Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick with Sports on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Let's go, uh, 521 rather. Let's go back down to DC. The families of those held hostage by Hamas in Gaza on Capitol Hill yesterday. These are the American families. They met with a congressman, including Mike McCall from Texas. There's no purpose to terrorize them anymore. Let these hostages go. Let them go and return home to their families. So the White House tells us eight Americans still unaccounted for following the October attack. So far, four Americans have been released. Congressman McCall says Palestinian people must be freed from Hamas. Uh, but he says in the meantime, the hostages all have to be let two go. Two days from now, is, uh, December 7th, will be two months since the uh, horrific Attack. 522 top Ukrainian officials making their case to Congress to secure more funding. This comes as the Speaker of Ukraine's Parliament met with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. It's also, as the White House warns, Ukraine's military will suffer losses to Russia if new aid isn't approved before the end of December. 
Ukrainian President Zelensky didn't attend because of a last-minute matter. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on Wednesday will bring President Biden's $106 billion supplemental package to the floor for a procedural vote. The bill includes funding for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the southern border. Republicans are expected to block the legislation because it lacks border policy measures the party has demanded. I'm Lisa Taylor. We continue to hear more information about what was true and not so true about the Capitol riots back in 2021. House Republicans plan to release now more surveillance footage from that day. We want transparency. We should demand that the American people do. House Republicans trust the American people to draw their own conclusions. Speaker Mike Johnson says the faces of those who took part in the riots, they'll be blurred. He says that's because Republicans don't want them to be retaliated against or charged by the Justice Department. The DOJ, meanwhile, has long had access to the footage and used it in more than 1,000 criminal cases against people linked to that day. We have to blur some of the faces of persons who participated in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated against. So shortly after becoming Speaker in October, Johnson announced he would release thousands of hours of footage from security cameras for greater transparency. The Senate Majority Leader, happy after Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville lifted his holds on some military promotions. New York's Chuck Schumer blasted Tuberville's actions. If every senator did what Senator Tuberville tried to do and held up military confirmations because of this or that partisan issue, no matter how deeply felt, it would grind the Senate Yeah, so these holds were in protest of the Pentagon's policy to reimburse service members who traveled out of state for an abortion. He lifted the holds despite no change in the Pentagon's abortion policy. The senior senator from Alabama has nothing to show for his 10 months of delay. No laws changing in any way. WABC News Time 524. Former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney considering now a third party presidential bid. Liz Cheney tells the Washington Post she believes democracy is at risk both at home and abroad, citing former President Trump's grip on the Republican Party. The Wyoming Republican's been sounding the alarm over the possibility of Trump winning another term, claiming she believes the U.S. is, as she puts it, sleepwalking into dictatorship. If you look at what he did in the run-up to January 6th in terms of his pressure on the vice president not to count legitimate electoral votes and then refusing to send help when the Capitol was under attack. Cheney served as vice chair of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot and has been a vocal critic of the former president. I'm Scott Carr in Washington. Chat GPT may not be a reliable source for medication-related questions. At least we're finding that out now. A study by pharmacists at Long Island University found that the free version of ChatGPT provided inaccurate or incomplete answers to some questions about drugs. Other responses didn't directly address the questions that were asked. A lead author of the study says patients should be wary when using the viral chatbot for drug information and responses should be verified by a doctor or other trusted sources. I'm Lisa Taylor. Here's an important story for us. There is bipartisan push to keep AM radio in new vehicles. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz says a plan to drop AM service would be a huge mistake. Over 80 million Americans listen to AM radio every month. They rely on it. Yeah, most of them listening right now in the 5 o'clock hour. Some companies have already killed AM from some models claiming electric motors interfere with AM frequencies. Cruz 
and Democratic Senator Ed Markey, he's from Massachusetts, point out that AM radio is an important line of communications during times of emergencies. But more important, we're, you know, we're entertaining. We have to ensure that for public safety reasons, that AM radio stays in the vehicles that Americans drive. But Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul explaining here why he opposes this measure. But I don't want to give up on our philosophy and just say, oh, well, because it's something we like, we're going to mandate it. Cruz uh, trying to get this bill passed Tuesday by unanimous consent, but Rand Paul opposed the measure. He claimed it would force mandates on private companies, and he would only vote yes if electric car tax credits were dropped. The bill is stuck now for the time being. All right, let's take a look at Wall Street. The number of job openings hit a two-year low in October. Labor Department reporting just over 8.7 million vacancies for the month. The opening bell, it rings this morning after stocks closed. Close mix on Tuesday at the closing bell. The Dow lost 80 points. S&P 500 fell two points. NASDAQ gained 44. Market watchers will be keeping an eye out today for at least two notable reports. ADP employment numbers and an update on the U.S. trade deficit. You're listening to one of the most iconic stations in the nation. An American original. Talk Radio 77. WABC at WABCRadio.com. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 6th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 43. Tonight and overnight clear, low 32. And then Thursday, a mostly cloudy day, high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 35 clear in Port Washington out on Long Island. It is 36 partly cloudy in Perth Amboy down in New Jersey. And 34, just a few clouds outside our studios here in Midtown. I remember this as a kid when you went to the beach. Uh, part of uh, the end of the day would, of course, be getting all the sand off. But I also remember there was a time where you'd have to get tar off your feet. Do you remember that? And we've come a long way. That doesn't really happen too often anymore where these balls of tar wash up on the beach. We've gotten better at cleaning the ocean. But the U.S. Coast Guard now working with the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, a bunch of Monmouth County officials to investigate more than a thousand tar balls, these oily debris that have shown up along Jersey Shore beaches over the last week. The uh, organization Clean Ocean Action was collecting some of these tar balls while doing beach cleanup over the last week. They are nasty, sticky, yucky, smelly, nasty things. There were some that were the size of a tennis ball. There were some a golf ball. There were itty bit, let's call them belches of oil that get out into the ocean and then they age and they weather and then they turn into these tar balls. Yes, it used to be you could just pollute the ocean in any way you want to. Now you can't, but they haven't really figured out where these new tar balls are coming from and it's been a while since they've had this kind of thing happen. When it happens offshore, which primarily uh, the winds go blow west, they'll just go out into the ocean and, and contaminate the marine life. Yeah, so I guess the only piece of positive news here is it didn't happen during the summer season, but there's been a lot to clean up. This was common. Um, 
you know, in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Uh, but we've come a long way since then. We have to keep vigilant. We can never let our, our attention down. We must remain focused on keeping the ocean free of industrialization, of industrial sources of pollution, uh, because th- th- it can come back in a heartbeat. So what we've been told, Coast Guard's investigating if there's a possible link between the debris recovered down the Jersey Shore. It's been happening on some New York beaches as well so far. They don't know where it's coming from. Mayor Adams going back to D.C. tomorrow to ask for help with the migrant crisis. We need some cash. This will be the mayor's 10th time heading to D.C. on a migrant-related trip. Spoke about it during a press conference yesterday. What I've learned in government that what you don't accomplish on one uh, conversation, you have to keep repeating. The goal is to uh, constantly go there, be front and center, and raise the concerns of how this is impacting our city. The trip comes as the city continues just to grapple with this influx of migrants. More than 140,000 have come here since uh, over the last year, most of them from the U.S.-Texas border on buses. 65,000 of those are still in the city's care today. So the feds have given New York City $160 million to help pay for it all, but the thought is it's billions of dollars that's going to cost tax. Taxpayers. This is Adam's first trip to D.C. since the home of Brianna Suggs, one of his top campaign fundraisers, was raided. You remember he was headed to D.C., actually already there, and then flew back and never met with White House officials. But this meeting will take place, I guess, uh, assuming that there's no other scandals. I have not communicated uh, with the president um, since, um, I think, earlier this year. It was the last time I communicated with them, uh, either earlier this year or late last year, around the same time. So the city just facing this fiscal cliff, $7 billion they need to find. Uh, They've done these cross-the-board cuts, 5% across almost every city, single agency, including the FDNY, the NYPD, city schools, libraries. So the mayor says he'll be down there asking for the feds help out in a much bigger way. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Brooklyn, where a teenager in custody after he stabbed a 15 year old in the stomach inside a school in Midwood. This was about 930 yesterday morning at Edward R. Murrow High School. There was some sort of attack where this 16 year old stabbed the 15 year old in the stomach inside the school. Of course, lots of questions. How did he get the knife in there? Why did the attack took place? Uh, parents, you might imagine frantic as they got texts from their kids that something was going on in their school because it prompted a lockdown as they looked for this uh, kid who was involved in the stabbing. The uh, victim in this case, he's going to be okay, thankfully. The president of the union who represents school safety agents says that the school played down what took place yesterday. The school has a gang problem and students were bringing in knives and guns Every day. Yeah, that's always good to hear. The victim rushed to Maimonides Hospital, stable condition, non-life-threatening injuries. The 15-year-old, or uh, I guess he's now they're saying he's a 16-year-old, he fled the building. He surrendered last night, taken into custody. We don't know exactly what was behind this attack, but students of the school saying that there's a gang problem at Edward R. Murrow High. She told me that like she saw someone holding their stomach and like there was a security guard there saying get the nurse. Yeah, one of the students who witnessed what took place 
place. A crowd of angry parents anxious to find out how their own kids were doing. We're waiting outside the school for hours for information. He's okay. He's okay. He told me. He, he told me. I mean, keep asking him, keep sending messages. Are you okay? Are you okay? But he's okay. Yeah. I just call him too. The president of the union representing school safety agents says uh, maybe it's time to bring back the metal detectors at schools so things like knives and guns don't get in. Every parent can get involved in the school to make sure the school has adequate security. And if I'm a parent, I would tell you that schools do not have adequate security. Here's what we've been told. The school does not have metal detectors. But guess what? They will this morning. Uh, Parents do have mixed feelings about that. Some against the idea. They think it makes the school look like a prison. Other parents say, wait a minute, this is what's keeping our kids safe. We told you yesterday about this string of spa robberies in Queens. These are these. are Are they legitimate massage places? I don't know. It's hard to know. But anyway, these massage places in Queens, a bunch of them robbed. Uh, in a couple cases, uh, there were people beaten up in the process, uh, thousands of dollars in cash stolen. Uh, they've caught up with one of the people that they say was involved, uh, this 40-year-old, his name is Shabab Usman. Uh, apparently, maybe there was guns involved. They haven't given us all the details yet, but uh, at least they have one guy in custody in what were described as vicious attacks against these spas. There is a rise in crime. Neighbors getting worse. Surprising from the neighborhood because this is all West Indian neighborhood, and you don't expect people to change or, you know, to get violent. The NYPD's actually hate crime task force, they've been notified of this because all the spas are Asian-owned and operated, but police so far have deemed the incidents as just of crimes of opportunity. Governor Hochul yesterday issuing a proclamation declaring a special election to fill the vacancy in the 3rd Congressional District that was created when George Santos was given the boot from Congress last Friday. This special election, it'll take place Tuesday, February 13th. The Democrats seem to have decided on Tom Suozzi, who once was the congressman from that district before he left the seat to run for governor. That seems to be their choice. On the Republican side, we've heard numbers of like, 30 people are interested in the gig. The Republican Party telling us yesterday that when they do get down to the final candidates, they will be vetted in a way that no candidate has been vetted before because they don't want another instance like George Santos, where he essentially had made up his entire biography. While we're talking elections up to Westchester County, where Westchester County Executive George Latimer has announced plans to run for Congress, the two-term county executive officially throwing his hat in the ring. It'll be this morning he'll release a video for the 16th congressional district in what would probably be one of the more high profile congressional primaries because he's actually trying to unseat a fellow democrat congressman jamal bowman who's been there for two terms uh this district represents westchester and parts of the bronx uh, George Latimer says, I've done a lot for Westchester, and he says he can do a lot in Washington for Westchester. But I've been a strong Democrat. We've done progressive things from our transportation policy, our housing policy, black maternal health care, 
funding child care, wage theft law, you name it, we've done it here. In recent weeks, a bunch of Jewish leaders in the district, which includes Lower Westchester, uh, asked Latimer to run because they've been upset with Bowman's criticism of Israel since the October 7th attacks. Uh, Latimer says that issue is high on his priority list, but he says there's a ton of other issues that he wants to champion. He'll release a video later today that'll announce that he is running. Let's bring it back here into the city. Everybody watching this congestion pricing plan, the MTA set to vote on on essentially what would be the final part of this plan to charge drivers 15 bucks to go below 60th Street in Manhattan starting uh, in the spring of next year. People who support congestion pricing, well, they had a, a rally yesterday. What do we want? Congestion pricing. <laughs> when do we want it? Now. What do we want? Congestion pricing. When do we want it? Now. I should point out. What do we want? Congestion pricing. Okay. There wasn't a lot of people at this congestion pricing rally. I imagine them, a lot of them are government workers. I don't know that for a fact, but just looking to see who was there. Governor ha- Kathy Hochul, one of the people who spoke at this event in Union Square, saying that she's confident a plan to charge these drivers 15 bucks to enter below 6th Street will clear up traffic and help make investments in public transit. People should be able to take the train and be able to walk to their jobs and never need a vehicle again because this is New York. And I'm so proud of what we've done here. We'll keep our subway strong for the next generation. Less traffic, cleaner air, faster buses. Lots of people, of course, pushing back against this. Neighbors in the area in Manhattan say that uh, the real traffic problem is the rideshare companies, and they should go after them. If you're in a leafy suburb, north or west, wherever you're complaining from, it's real. Come to the Central Business District. Come to these neighborhoods that have been choking on congestion for decades. We are going to solve it. All right. We're going to get more into the story in a moment. But first, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Mullen. Start on the ice here. All three local teams laced them up last night in Ottawa. The Rangers were the victims of a rare route, falling to the Senators by a score of 6-2. to two. Artemi Panarin and Keandre Miller scored for the Rangers, while Shesterkin stopped 30 shots. But it wasn't nearly enough to contend with Ottawa's onslaught. The hockey blue shirts came into the game with uh, points in 17 of their last 19, good for a record of 16, 2 and 1 over that stretch, which has helped propel them to the top of the league. They'll take the loss and hopefully return to form come Saturday in Washington in Elmont. A uh, Thomas Hurdle or Tomas Hurdle hat trick helped uh, the San Jose Sharks erase a three goal third period deficit to defeat the Islanders 5 to 4. Gaudier, Nelson, Riley, and Kulak scored for the Isles, who began a six game homestand. With that loss, and finally up in north in Vancouver, Jesper Brat scored his second goal of the night with 34 seconds left in the third period as the Devils defeated the Vancouver Canucks 6-5 to in a nail-biter. Jack Hughes had a goal and two assists, while his younger brother Luke Hughes scored on a power play for the Devils. Uh, the game was billed as the, quote, Hughes Bowl, as Canucks defenseman Quinn Hughes will join his Two brothers, Jack and Luke, on the ice last night with uh, their parents in attendance. It was a family affair for the Hughes family in the Hughes Bowl. On the hardwood in Milwaukee, the Bucks breezed past the Knicks 146-122 to last night to reach the semifinals of the NBA's inaugural in-season tournament. Julius Randle scored a season-high 41 points for the Knicks, whose three-game winning streak was snapped. Jalen Brunson added 24 points, and R.J. Barrett scored 23 for New York, which earned a wild card berth in the knockout round through a point differential tiebreaker, which is totally understandable. And as MLB free agency continues to heat up, there's news out of the Bronx regarding a new arrival in pinstripes 
The Yankees acquired outfielder Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox last night, the move that could help. New York slightly improve its offense in just uh, the eighth trade between the rivals since the start of the divisional era in 1969. Clearly, they don't like dealing with one another, understandably. The Red Sox received right-handers Richard Fitz, Greg Weiser, and Nicholas Judas in the deal. Verdugo, who is scheduled to make around $9 million in his final season of arbitration, he slashed 264, 324, 421 last year with 13 home runs and 54 RBIs in 142 games, maybe. We'll give that uh, Yankees outfield a little boost. Gnome, but I know uh, they're they're on the uh, lookout for a bigger, more powerful name in the outfield. Hmm, all right. One by the name of um, Juan Soto. I've heard of him. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get some good news in that regard sometime, sometime this week. But in the meantime, that's sports, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. All right, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them will be the MTA meets today to sort of give the final say on congestion pricing. And they'll look at all the details. One of them is that it will be 15 bucks to drive below 60th Street in Manhattan starting next spring. There will be some small exemptions for people who go through bridges and tunnels and pay tolls but not a whole lot of exemptions across the board. New Jersey, of course, suing to try and stop this, say this is an unfair tax on New Jersey drivers because the money raised from congestion pricing will be used to fix all that's wrong with the MTA. The MTA's chair, Jano Lieber, says these mounting legal battles won't stop the plan from going into place. We will keep moving this forward. I can't control what people who want to file lawsuits are doing, but... We're confident that after a 4,000-page environmental report that we, we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's, we're just keeping moving forward. Mayor Adams yesterday asking for a break on the toll for yellow taxis and school buses. I will continue to share our views on this conversation about not displacing the environmental issue to the outer boroughs, uh, making sure that we're not over-penalizing New Yorkers. But he does say municipal workers, city workers should pay that toll. And we want to get it right. And there's going to be some shifting. There's going to be some negotiation. It's going to be some additional conversations that's going to come out of this. Yeah, we'll watch this big vote. It's taking place later today. And we'll see if New Jersey can any do anything with its lawsuit to stop this plan from being initiated, which would be sometime in the spring of 2024. The head of the FBI warning about the potential of a terrorist sneaking across the southern border into Texas as part of this wave of illegal immigration into the U.S. Uh, they've been watching this for a while, but Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, says uh, things are not so good. Their ability to exploit any port of entry, including our southwest border, is a source of concern. Ray, uh, speaking before the Senate hearing yesterday, says the number of known or suspected terrorists who've been caught has increased uh, in a big way over the last five years. And we have seen an increase in so-called KSTs, known or suspected terrorists, attempting to to cross. There's a lot of discussion about numbers, and numbers are important, but let's not forget it didn't take a big number of people on 9-11. The Department of Homeland Security said that 160 people on that terror watch list were taken into custody at the southern border the last fiscal year. That is the head of the FBI urging lawmakers to renew the authority of the U.S. government to conduct warrantless surveillance outside the U.S. The expiration of our 702 authorities would be devastating to the FBI's ability to protect Americans from those threats. Ray again there warning the renewal 
of what's called Section 702 of the FISA Act is necessary, he says, to counter threats from foreign adversaries, including China and Iran. The surveillance powers, they're set to expire at the end of this month. 702 allows us to stay a step ahead of foreign actors located outside the United States who pose a threat to national security. It's not clear Ray will get what he wants. Lawmakers both sides of the aisle have criticized this measure as government overreach, arguing the power enables warrantless surveillance of Americans. A vote to launch a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden expected to happen as soon as next week. It's not a vote to impeach President Biden. This is a vote to continue the inquiry. House Speaker Mike Johnson accusing the White House of stonewalling the investigation into President Biden's alleged links to his family's foreign business dealings. You're seeing a very deliberate investigation uncovering and following the facts, following the truth where it leads. That's what the Constitution requires the House to do. They're refusing to turn over key witnesses to allow them to testify as they've been subpoenaed. They're refusing to turn over thousands of documents for the National Archives. And then you had this moment yesterday, President Biden in uh, Boston or right outside Boston for a campaign fundraiser telling donors privately. So there's I don't think there's a video or tape of this, but says if it wasn't for Donald Trump running, he is not sure he'd be running. Uh, He said he's running only to stop. Donald Trump. Uh, Trump, uh, the heavy favorite, of course, of the Republican nomination and polls show him beating Biden due in large part to economic pessimism that's linked, of course, to high inflation, interest rates. Uh, a recent real clear politics uh, average of all the national polls shows Trump with a 46.7 percent lead over Biden with 44.7. Of course, the election about a year away, a little less at this point. Uh, Trump, he was doing a Fox Town Hall event last night in Iowa going after Joe Biden. I personally don't think he makes it. Okay, I haven't said that. I'm saving it for this big town hall. I've never always I personally don't think he might. Yeah, so he doesn't think Biden will make it to Election Day next year. But Biden says, no, he's in it to win it. Let's bring it back home as we finish this hour. The NYPD says its enforcement efforts against rampant shoplifting is working. The NYPD Crime Control Strategies Chief Michael Laperti says there's been a drop in shoplifting incidents for November and for the year. Is it at levels that we don't like? Yes, it is. Are we going to continue to reduce shoplifting? Yes, we are. Because what are we doing? We're arresting the right individuals. We have more arrests, more shoplifting arrests. About, we're up about 10 percent in shoplifting arrests. He says shoplifting arrests are up. Incidents are down 10 percent. He's attributing the improvement to law enforcement's collaboration with prosecutors and with store owners. We're in and around malls, something we really never did. We're actually putting offices on foot in and around New York City malls across all five boroughs in the sh- in the parking areas. And a study from New York State Comptroller shows that the pandemic took just a huge chunk out of the city's population. It's something we knew already, but now we're seeing the numbers in a hardcore way. Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli says more than 2% of New York City taxpayers moved away in 2020, which equates to 88,000 people. It's no surprise to New Yorkers. They feel it every day, right? The, The rising costs of housing. And this we have been in this crisis for way too long. Yeah, Deputy Mayor uh, yesterday blaming it on the price of housing. But uh, lots of people leaving the state over the last four years. A big chunk of it, of course, happening during the pandemic when people realized they could work remotely, uh, which a lot of people are still doing at this point.